quiet. Time for a start show. Trouble defeat audience. Your move silently and hide checks are successful. Good evening, lords, ladies, non-binary, multi-form, constructs, unknowable, and others. You have chosen your entertainment quite wisely, for you are about to experience the most wondrous spectacle in the great, venerable, and multiplanar empire of Voladros and the Wathens. I am your host and proprietor, Romande Zwarvinde, and I welcome you to the Twenty-Sided Theater. Dancing lights! Oh, how good it is to be back, my beloved audience. Honestly, though, how could you not tell that I had been replaced by a version of my sister from a now-destroyed universe? Didn't you see me as the Brando when I last trod the great boards of the Dodecahedron Theatre? Ah, well. Oh, speaking of the Imperial Theatre Society, I must admit that I am beginning to worry just a little bit for the safety of the holy city of Sandaskar, crown jewel of the Empire. I have a winter home there, you see. But it will take my insufferable bastards some indeterminate amount of non-time to traverse the network of tunnels and tubes that runs beneath and between realities. At least, that's what our resident irresponsible portalmancer says. So, rather than bore you with the details of a run-of-the-mill transcosmic journey, we proudly introduce you to your final band of protagonists. And they're Scartalians this time. Uh, well, half of them are. In any case, it is my pride and joy to introduce... Uh, oh, oh dear lords of the dance, this cannot possibly be their registered colloquial designation. Ugh. Well, I'll, I'll just make a quick edit to the script here. It is my pain and misery to introduce Mixed Species Task Force number 77169, known more commonly as, ahem, Scotalia's Hard X Core Strikers featuring Moonslice. Godric Goodfellow. Born and raised in Slumberton, central Scotalia, this paladin of Gomas the Lawbringer was inflicted with lycanthropy very shortly after the unexpected death of his dearest friend and squire, a halfling called Whistlethorpe. Despite his affliction, though, Godric never has wavered from his senses of legality or morality, and so the lawful orderhood of Gomas rewarded him. First, with the honor of not being cast out for turning into a giant rat, 
and secondly, by selecting him to bear sanction, the great sword of Laura Wivera, the first Justicar ever anointed in our fair island nation. Oh, Whistlethorpe, I shall travel the Empire in your honor, righting wrongs and spreading the law of Gomas. Of course, we will need to get out of this cavern complex first. Elrenar Wolfrond, accompanied by his faithful lupine companion, Moonslice. Although, I'm not really sure how much I can trust a druid who spends more time in the shape of a wolf than in the shape of an elf. Fortunately, no matter how distasteful it might be for Elrenar to parade around in his furs like that, Moonslice is always such a good boy. Yes, he is. Now, let's see here. I know I've got some pilfered mermaid jerky around here somewhere. Onward, friends. Moonslice has picked up a scent down that tunnel to the left. Hopefully it leads back up to the surface. Every adventuring party needs a bard, and this group has ticked that box. Unfortunately, they decided to hire a half-orc to fill the role. Even less fortunately, he didn't just study the bardic traditions. Apparently, he graduated from the Imperial Academy of Municipal Adventurers with a minor in sorcery. And least fortunately of all, I must admit that John Orkthan Coltork is actually rather good. Oh well. If only I could have made a bluff check there. Me just write funny song about office work orc who no cans find love. You see, it's funny because office kind of makeup place only find in story and pixie tale. Westley. A halfling whose life cannot encompass the deployment of trousers. Fortunately for Wes, we here at the Twenty-Sided Theatre are all far too polite to look beneath the belt. And fortunately for us, the worlds show us myriad groin-enshrouding garments, many of which are not even technically pants. There's no time for pants. At least that's what Grork yelled when you guys dug in through my roof. Luckily, there was time to grab my flying carpet. Grok Jorsten, cleric of A.W.U.K., UK, god of parties and positive reinforcement. This human servant of the divine has kept his friends whole and healthy ever since the day Godric brought him the two halves of Whistlethorpe's shattered body. Some wounds are just beyond regular healing. And some souls just know when it's their time to slip back into the stream and wash away the grime of this life in preparation for the next. But until that happens, it is your duty to live by the most sacred of AWK's commandments. Was it no time for pants? Close, Westley, but not quite. The greatest commandment is... When the time of the party is upon you, thou shalt always party exuberantly. Thelindrius Ratkin, an ascetic hunter. This elf was bitten by were-rats at the same time that Godric contracted the old skin-turning disease. Fortunately, his companion, Ratul, is the most interesting dire-rat in all the plains, and he is an excellent tutor in the ways of vermindom. If you guys would like... Ratul and I can scout ahead. I'm pretty sure we can slip through some of the cracks in that pile of the fallen rocks that we passed a while back. Esquik. 
Yavier Sindara, an elven witch who has seen fit to take my nephew Jason under her tutelage. We'd best not split the party. But if you want some scouting done via magic, then Jason and I can... We can... Jason! Stop playing those spoons! But my mom says that if I can't play an instrument, or if I can't play it well, then I'm out of the family. Even my dad plays the mouth harp. Two things. One, your father is a pigman, and the tusks somehow give him an advantage with the mouth harp. Two, spoons are utensils, not instruments. And that opinion about spoons is why I trust Yavier Kethavan with the education of my least unfavorite nephew. Oh, noble members of my beloved audience, please do recline upon your gilded seats, liberally quaff your libations, inspire your pharmacoy, and adjust your listening devices that you may thoroughly enjoy your evening at the Twenty-Sided Theater. For the past five months, your task force has been on an imperial mission to the newly contacted world of Uriah. Unfortunately, your <clears throat> scouting of local politics and intercity relationships got a little too personal, and you became a little too involved in the fates of the peaceful, fruit-eating bat people of the Whalar jungle. Thanks to you, their tribe is now safely relocated in the underground cave network on this continent. Unfortunately, that safe hiding necessitated collapsing the largest ingress from the surface, and it means that you have no easy way back up. Luckily, Talek, your guide, is still with you, and he knows these caves like the backs of his wings. Indeed I do, Mr. Voice. I used to play in these caves as a child when my siblings and I were able to sneak on exploring. Well, you were the guy who found those azure stone caves for your people to move their village to. To which your people moved their village, Wesley. All laws are important to uphold, and grammar is an important branch of law. So, how do we go for surface now? Witchy elf and piglet elf arms break cave mouth, so us no can go back. Well, the ruins of the ancient deep elf city of Fair Shirai are just around two or three kilometers down this corridor. The old stories say that those dastards used to raid the surface all the time before the uncovering of eyes and the great disaster. So there's got to be a way out. Maybe a few ways out if the deep elves were as secretive and paranoid as the old stories say. Excellent, I think. Hmm, maths are an important set of laws as well. Talik, if I may ask, how does one convert kilometers into imperial linear decimal mercators? Talik and Godric discuss conversion rates while you traverse the relatively short distance. After a little more than half an hour, you round a turn in the cavern complex and the earth heaves beneath you. A thunderous crack rings out and you are showered with collapsing stones. Give me some saves. <coughs> Everybody, sound off. And wail in agony if you need the healing hands of Godric Goodfellow laid upon you. <coughs> what do you say, Godric? That crack was pretty loud. I think I might not be able to hear so well. You don't need to shout, Elrenar. Godric said only to yell if you need healing. Speaking of which, 
Ouch! My leg is crushed by a fallen stalactite. I'm here with you, Wesley. You're gonna be just fine, buddy. Let's roll this stone off your leg so that the hallowed light of AWK may get your pantsless legs back onto the proverbial dance floor. <sighs> this is quite a heavy stalactite. No, Morty Glark. The arm's here for Inspire. Inspire you strength. Great thinking, Cold Dork. Here, I'll help you lift the stone, Grok. It's a pretty heavy still, so I'll ask Ratul if he can scurry under there and move Wesley's crushed leg. Ahem. Esquik. What did Ratul just say? Oh, he said that he would do it. And he'll even avert his eyes, since you're not wearing any pants, Wes. Oh, how polite of him. Now, can we get this process started before I slip any deeper into shock? Of course we can. On three, Thalindrius. One, two, three. <sighs> there. Now you're free, Wesley. And now you can rest under the life-confirming lampshade of the great martyr, A.W.K. Ah, so much better. Thanks, Grork. I can walk again. You two do know that Jason and I could have easily moved that medium-sized stalactite with a few spells, yes? Actually, we could have used our witch magics to reconstruct Wesley's leg, too. You boys didn't have to be all testosterone and backstrainy about it. Indeed, Misty Javier. Alternatively, I could have just bitten West to make them stronger and more resilient. That's why Grandpa Porcissimus bit me on my 13th birthday. At least, that's why he said he did it. Hey, Piglet Elf. You arms... Have double-born sister, right? Am she wear pig too? Because me think you tusk very pretty, but you not quite me type. Nah, my sister's way stronger and way more resilient than I am, so she didn't need any toughening up. Hmm, that's almost everybody. Does anybody see Talik? I think Boot Slice caught his scent. Where is he, boy? We're already lower than the bottom of the nearest well, so Talek can't have fallen far. Boot Slice lopes off into the settling dust cloud and bids you follow. He leads you through the haze, and within moments you find Talek. Unfortunately, your guide has been crushed to death, and the stones which committed this murder now block the tunnel that heads back to the Bat People's village. Well... I suppose there is only one reasonable course of action at this point. You and Jason use your fancy witch magics to move all these rocks so we can bear Talik back home and lay him to rest with his ancestors. Uh, uh hello? Yavier? Witch elf look like she no feel so good. She all straight standy uppy. It's not just Yavier. Jason seems to be affected, too. Maybe it has something to do with their witch bond. I doubt it. The same force seems to be afflicting Thalindrias and Elrenar as well. Suddenly, 
All the elves snap their heads backwards, eyes staring blankly toward the ceiling of the cave. A long, slow moment later, they begin to engage their vocal cords and speak in unison. Hello? Is this thing on? You have the honor of being contacted by His Excellency. Give me that twinket, you fool! We have no time for pleasantries. This is the Emperor himself. I am reaching out to all forces in the field, to all strike teams, to our allies, and to our enemies. Sound Escar, the holy city of Valandros and the Weavens, is under attack. The hungering end has returned, and our knights and magi are not enough to hold back the flood. If they take the gateways in the harbor, then all is lost. They will ravage and consume all walls that our empire has touched. Whether you love us or hate us, you must send your armies. You can kill us all later if you get the chance. We at least would die knowing that there will be a later. A plea for aid from the Emperor himself. We must respond quickly to this terrible honor. For the first edict laid down by Gomas the Lawbringer was that every sapient being must aid his fellows whenever possible. Me agree. Plus, a save Emperor Orc make much better Orc song than us go back for to tell Talon family he did. We should at least, I don't know, bury Talon and Marcus Grave or something. Plus, all the elves look like they might need to take a few minutes to recover from the magic that made them all talk in creepy unison. Agreed. We will erect a cairn for Talek and say a few benedictions for him before his gods receive him into the final celebration. Strikers, let us break for a brief funeral. And let us break out the rations for the reception that we might properly remember our friend. But after that, we must make haste to those ancient deep elf ruins Talek mentioned so that we can find a way to the surface and return to Sandaskar. Hi, has this ever happened to you? Ew, I've got sticky honey all over my flippers. I've got to hurry home to Martha with all this toasted oat in my head, or else he'll disassemble me again. Oh no, licking it off went terribly wrong! Now the honey is sticking my flippers to my eyes! Whoops! I tripped, and now I'm all wobbly from being so top-heavy. Oh, oh, look out, Lady Featherfoot! Sir Gnome, is that you? Introducing Lenarnian's Honey Toasted Oat Cereal for children and emotionally stunted adults! It's full of little oat penguins and sugar-based skulls, so your eyes will be as overstimulated as your taste receptors. And I won't even mention what it does to your digestive system. Part of a complete breakfast which includes fruit, cereal, health potion, removed disease potion, toast, and milk. So go on down to your favorite confectioner today and pick up a huge box of Lenardian's Honey Toasted Oat Cereal for children and emotionally stunted adults. A few hours later, you've paid your respects to Talit's spirit and made great progress in your trek toward the ruins of Fair Shirai. 
You emerge from a tunnel into a 40 ILDM wide cavern, where a deep, dry moat sprawls out before you, with a 60 ILDM suspension bridge spanning across. On the far side, a pair of 30 ILDM high black iron gates lays torn and broken on the ground, rusted and hidden in age. Beyond, the long-dead city of Fair Shirai waits patiently in the still darkness of the cave complex. Come, strikers. We must cross this span quickly that we might save the Emperor. Fortunately, dire rats are quite good at climbing, so this will prove little challenge to Godric Goodfellow. Squeak! Quite so, friend Godric. Come, Ratul. We must away to the far side of the chasm. Squeak! The three dire rats scurry down the side of the chasm, climbing nimbly from perch to perch. When they reach the bottom, they turn left and follow the wall around the perimeter of the moat until they reach the far side, whereupon they run along the wall again until they can scamper straight upward toward the terminus of the suspension bridge. Come across, strikers. There seems to be nothing remarkably dangerous on this side. Yes. Um, about it. Not all of us are rats. In fact, the rat population is a distinct minority in the makeup of this group. So what should we do, Gavier? That suspension bridge looks terribly dangerous. Yeah, no, we are not using that rakery old death trap. Instead, we'll do the same thing we have done every time we have to get past an enormous hole. Move Earth! Rather than trust to the ancient bridge constructed by some long-dead deep elves, Yavier raises her arms into the air, hands cupped upward. A dusky orange light surrounds her as she uses her witchcraft to delve deep into the ground and heave up a series of pillars to serve as a causeway. Great go, witchy elf. Now instead of us need balance on bridge. Us amps need balance on rock instead. In her defense, though, those plinths are wider than the rope bridge. Moonslice just pointed out that since Yavier's causeway wasn't built by a dwarf, it's way less likely to collapse from under us at the least opportune moment. No need to be worried about making your way across, Coltork. Even if you weren't already fully capable on your own, the great AWK would still usher you across with his guidance. As the rest of you reach the far side of the moat, you can make out a small door worked cunningly into the gate's foundations. If the Deep Elves built cities like just about everybody else throughout history has, it probably leads to a guard post. Sounds worth investigating. Agreed, Reverend Jorston. Onward and inward, strikers! The first room of the guard post has been fought in and picked over many times since the city's demise, apparently. An assortment of weapons, tools, and bones lays broken across the floor. A desk sits near the far wall. Two stone doors silently flank the desk. That is a lot of debris. And I'm pretty sure most of these broken bits of weaponry weren't built by the ancient deep elves. For example, look at this scimitar's lack of symmetry, its absurd weight, and its horribly beaten and pitted finish. Obviously a fork construction. 
more this plain yet serviceable spearhead. Human work if I ever saw it. Hmm, we ought to tidy this place up a bit. Maybe separate out all the bones as best we can, and give each of these poor souls a proper send-off to the afterlife. Yeah, because when you leave bones all over the floor like this, they're likely to end up with ants. Bone no orc trapped ant. No pants half thing. Bone orc trapped ghost. In either case, we should still tidy this place. Yeah, we don't want to end up being haunted by some giant ant people ghost or whatever. You start sifting through the debris, and within a quarter hour, you've identified about a baker's dozen skulls and started to separate the bones into proper funerary pile. Uh-huh. This robe seems to be the only thing that's not completely rotten. Doesn't seem worth much, but maybe my uncle can use it for stage costuming. Just gotta shake the skeleton out, oh, before I put it on. Oh, hey! Look! It's even got a sweet pointy hat to go with it. Jason quickly and romandily dons the ancient garment. When he finishes, you can barely see the half-elf's face, since he has the collar of the robe popped up and the wide brim of the hat turned down. But you can still make out the glow in his eyes as he works minor magics to clean the garment and tidy the room. Oh my! Hey everyone, Ratul and I think we found something! On the east wall, a hidden door slides away to reveal a set of stairs leading up to a landing. We shall investigate that staircase in a moment. First, we must invoke Razia and Gomas, givers of life and law, who first domesticated the speaking peoples of Scartalia and taught us the ways of communal harmony. We must invoke them, and we must beseech them to look after these 13 souls, to usher them into whatever reward or punishment awaits in the halls of death. Is... is he done? Was that the prayer, or was he just talking about how he was gonna pray? That was the prayer, Wesley. Now you may proceed, Thalindrias. <laughs> <sighs> it's not opening. Uh, maybe it's a locked. It's not opening because you're pushing with your shoulder, when you should be pushing with an irresistible force. Yavier gathers magical energies and channels them through herself, letting them well within the billabong that is her soul, before releasing a torrent of force that shatters both the door and a large chunk of the masonry around it. She also sets off a magical alarm that might be older than all of your ages summed together and then cued. Ah, sound too loud! Me no able for hear me own things! Stop yelling, Coltor. I, I think I can hear something. It sounds like four and a half house cats scurrying around on a marble floor. As the alarm fades, you can confirm Wesley's suspicion. You hear a shuffling and a scratching inside the walls. But you're not given much time to reflect on what might cause such a sound, because the north wall of the next room suddenly convulses, and then before you know it, fragments of ancient brick are flying through the air, and three fox-sized cockroaches bound into the room. Oh, dear gods, what the fuck is going on with their eyes? As the dust clears and you get a better view, you find that each of the hexagonal cells in the roach's compound eyes is empty, with an acrid smoke wafting from the gaping vents in the vermin's head. Oh, shit! 
I thought Uncle Rose making it up at least 70% of the stories he told me about the demons with no eyes. Hopefully these things can't... While Jason is talking, the three cat-sized roaches seem to draw in breath and puff themselves up like filth-spreading pig's bladders. But instead of breathing out a mixture of carbon and oxygen, they instead dispel around 12,000 tiny, fanning rays of entropic energy from the empty facets of their eye clusters. Thanks for the warning, Ratul. Because of your sharp eyes and a quick squeaking, Goldrick and I were able to shift into the rat form and talk under most of the rays. Oof. I agree with your sentiment of most of the rays, Thalindrias. I took a blow, but I yet live, which means that I have followed the first law of the Orderhood. Don't die. Now I must see to the second law. Do not let your friends die. How are those of you who cannot understand High Dire Rat? Jason and I are unscathed. Largely thanks to his powers of observation and reaction. Honestly, I've never seen a shield go up that fast. Where did you learn to do that, Jason? Uh, it's something I had to pick up in wizard college. Mom wanted me to join a secret society. She said it was so I could network in my future career. But I think she just wanted to be able to play a venue that my uncle wouldn't be allowed into. The correct syntax is, into which my uncle wouldn't be allowed, Jason. The laws of grammar tell us not to dangle our participles. Despite that, I am relieved that you two are unscathed. How did the rest of you fare? I'm a little charred, and now I'm missing a part of my shirt. Plus, I still have no pants. I shifted into wolf shape when Ratul gave the warning, but Moonslice wasn't able to downsize. Yes, yes, it's okay, buddy. I'm here with you, boy. Just let me focus the healing light of nature to get you back on your palms. Oh, no! I think Coltor took a direct hit. <laughs> My shield is thoroughly ruined, but AWK has not yet seen fit to call me to the great after party. Rourke, you stitch up Cold Torque. Jason, you are charged with magical shield duty. Keep those chaos rays from hitting anybody else. Yabier, I want you, Elrenar, and Moonslice to take the roach on the left. Wesley, you go with Thalindrius and Ratul to assault the roach on the right. What'll you do, Godric? I shall do as the lawful orderhood of Gomas has taught me. I shall lead the assault in the center. Now, hardcore Scottalians. Strike for the Empire! The party breaks into four groups, each setting about their tasks with gravity and determination. Yavier breaks left, flanked by her lupine companions, while a miniature version of the scene plays out to the right as Wesley takes off with the dire rats. Unfortunately, all progress is cut short when two of the dire roaches of the hungering end spray forth more fans of entropic energy. Fortunately, Uncle Roe and his friends gave me the best training available when it comes to double casting switch shields! That was close. I sure am glad your mom paid your uncle to help you get into that fraternity at Wizard College, Jason. Right now, I'm just happy the third roach didn't spray its destruction spell, too. I'm not sure I can sustain more than one or two shields at a time. 
As it is, I'm only protecting Grok and Coltork by standing in front of them. And the third Harbinger of Chaos shall never have a chance to fire its rays, for it shall fall to my mighty smiting sanction. The Were-Rat Paladin of Gomas leaps across the 20 ILDM room in a single bound, using his descent to add a little extra oomph to the massive overhand strike delivered by his sanctified greatsword. The blade erupts in white-hot flames as it rends open the enormous cockroach's carapace, and the holy fire quickly spreads throughout the soft, gooey innards of the Chaos Bug, consuming its tendons and viscera and animating spirit. Be no fuel me, please. Is that that thing, Brock? It's okay, Coltork. You'll be in perfect health very soon. Now that the candles and the offerings of beer and pixie dust are properly situated, the power of the great AWK shall flow through my corporeal vessel into me, stitching thy wounds and bidding thee rise and return to the party. <laughs> Me just feel like it am's just unburned backwork. That's pretty much what just happened, buddy. Come, Moonsize. I'll join you in wolf form, and together we will wipe these twisted and tortured organisms from beneath the skin of the earth. The druid and his enormous wolf spring forward, breaking away from each other at the last moment to flank their enemy. Moonslice snaps his mighty jaws at the Chaos Roach, driving it back toward Elrenar's expectant maw. The elf in wolf's clothing clamps down as swiftly as he can, but the troll's boot-sized insect opens its wings and flutteringly hops away from its attackers. <laughs> I meant to take off two of its white legs at least, but this thing tastes awful. It's like it died in a swamp, got digested by a crocodile, and then came down here to harass us. Godric, are you still detecting alignments? Indeed I am, Yavier. The paladins of Gomas are ever vigilant. Those creatures are not truly evil, though they are both the spawn and agents of chaos. Great. I had hoped that wasn't what those entropy rays were suggesting. Fortunately, I have studied with the witches of the Imperial Parliament of the Eternal Source. And they say that the best way to combat chaos and entropy is to re-establish order down to a fundamental level. And since minerals are the most orderly of all the elements, I shall transmogrify this vermin's flesh to crystal. Yavie draws the invisibly gleaming threads of elementalist witchery into herself until she is brimming with as much power as she can hold. In a cerulean flash, she hurls her spell at the four-legged roach as it attempts to hop away from Elrenar and Moonslice. The insect glows with blue light as its petrifying body sails through the air. The beast comes down hard, shattering into ten major pieces when it makes contact with the ancient marble floor. Many thank witchy help. BMs always like sea stature. It organ. And you, Justin Spira, me next song. In return, me and Spira, you courage with me upright, Janor. Maybe you'd better sit back down, John Orkson. 
We left the upright piano back in Sandaskar before we came to this world. That okay? All bard know-how for summon instructment. So, Ratul, you're the most well-traveled diorat in the Empire. Any advice on how we should proceed without getting fried by those spraying eye rays? Escalic. Um, I guess I forgot for a second that it's gnomes who can speak with burrowing animals. I'm a halfling. Can you please translate that for me, Philandrius? Of course, my short and pantsless friend. Uh, one moment, though. Uh, Ratul's plan seems very good in the theory, but uh, the tone of his voice and the mauve edges around the edge of his aura, they, they belie the lack of full confidence. Come, Ratul, a squeak, squeak. A squeak. A squeak. A squeak, a squeak. A squeak. Okay, Wesley. Uh, do you still have that flying carpet? Always. It's how I keep up with you long-legged folk. Ah, bravissimo. Uh, you will go high, and Ratul and I, we will go low. Wesley, Wesley jumps, jumps atop, atop their, their flying, flying carpet. carpet. Meanwhile, Thalindrius and Ratul charge the remaining Chaos Roach, maneuvering it toward the room's nearest corner. The Roach doesn't like this, so it lowers its head and sprays forth another fan of destructive rays toward the ascetic hunter and the well-traveled Diorat. But I'm still on shield duty! And this job is way easier now that Coltork's healed and two of our attackers are dead. For those of you who cannot understand the dire rat tongue, our esteemed comrade just announced that everything is going according to plan. Esquik! Now, Wesley! That cockroach made a huge mistake when it lowered its head to hit my rat friends. As my violence ball coach used to say, if you can see the floor, you're about to get clobbered. Yeah! Wesley hurls themselves down from the flying carpet, wrapping the chaos roach in a full body tackle. The halfling swiftly takes the insects back, forcing its head and blaster eyes down with their left hand while simultaneously grasping at the edge of the roach's shell with their right. Wesley nimbly flips the enemy over beneath them, exposing its soft underbelly to a pair of quick and flashing knives. And that should do it! Great plan, Ratul. I would never have been able to say it better than that, my friend. Okay, Strikers, this ancient ruin of a deep elf city appears to be quite dangerous, so I propose we make camp here for a bit, while Thalindrius and Ratul scout the ruins beyond this gatehouse. You all know your camp duties, so I expect an orderly line of tents and a latrine marked out in the next third of an hour. And, as Gomas the Lawbringer teaches, let us never forget the most important senses for adventurers. I owe my life to my friends. I am proud to stand among you, and your safety buoys my spirit. So, so saith the Lawbringer. So saith the Lawbringer. Visit the 20-Sided Theater online at 20sidedtheater.com. You can also follow us on Twitter through scryomagical links that Imanond and Thrimlock have established. You can follow the 20-Sided Theater at 
two-zero-sided theater, spelled with an R-E, the implacable Romandes Orfinde at Illustrious Row, Master Imanon Shinuda at Shinuda Necroco, Grimlock Lenanian, Grimlock Lenanian, Lenanian. It's just gonna be Thrimlock. Thrimlock at Thrimlock. Isa Featherfoot at Lady Featherfoot. And Spirit of the Swift Wind at Spirit OTSW. Check the show notes if you need help with the spellings. And don't bother looking for me. Those scry magical links will never touch my brain. The 20-Sided Theatre is brought to you by Zorvinde Productions and the Shenouda Necromancy Corporation. This episode stars Gabriel Abenante, Natalie Abenante, Blake Parker, Keridwen Quatrin, Kian Quatrin, Rory Quatrin, and Tony Scarufi. Tonight's episode was written by Rory Quatrin and engineered by Blake Parker. Music by Audio Blocks. Patashu, Stephen O'Brien, and VCMG. For a complete list of and links to all the music and sound effects you heard on tonight's episode, visit the show notes at 20sidedtheater.com. While you're there, consider donating to the upkeep and production of the 20-sided theater. If you enjoyed the show, leave a review on iTunes. If you don't, I shall personally lead the Emperor's legions of flesh colossi to lay waste to your realities, stopping only when you have all been crushed to naught but dust before a relentless advance, or bent the knee and sworn fealty to his implacable holiness, the Emperor Nashtif, 27th of his name, stalwart and infallible ruler of the Empire of Voladros and the Weathens. Join us next time at the Twenty-Sided Theatre. victory garden. These damn plant stocks are way too fragile. These and many more of life's day-to-day problems can easily be fixed for a price. Introducing the newest branch on the sliding tech industrial tree, Sliding Jeans Limited. How's new pants gonna help with my bear problem? Easy. 
Protein Batch 2427 can turn your skin into a sort of chitinous exoskeleton, like crabs have! Then even if the bear does manage to catch you, you won't even be able to feel the chewing! Yeah, but, but what about my weird tiger allergies? How can expensive trademark gene therapies help with that? Simple. Just inject your band leader with this syringe of sliding gene sample 7779. I'll expose him to our proprietary vigor rays for one week, and you'll have yourself a nice, hairless, hypoallergenic lycanthrope. Now come on, give me a difficult one. You're gonna give my whole garden densest stocks because you figured out how to turn cellulose into copper or something, sir? Not at all, Soda. Our patented nucleotide nudgers don't actually work on plants. But just a few modifications to their brain chemistry, and you can get this pesky hive of wasps to climb all over each other and form up a protective canopy for your hail-hammered horticulture. Oh, hey, thanks, Chief. No, I'm still way slower than the bear, but, you know, now it don't hurt so much when he bites. Unless he gets into the joints, at least. Thanks to Sliding Gene brand therapies, I can finally breathe easy during band practice. What the fuck happened to all my body hair? What about you, Sona? How's your victory garden going? Well, the garden's doing great, sir. But the queen kind of went into overdrive on egg production, and, well, long story short, now I can't get out of my friggin' house because of all the friggin' drones that are protecting it. You hear that, folks? Whether it's personal safety, medical issues, agribusiness, or simple home defense, Sliding Jeans Limited has the solution to your particular problem. Just take it from our three highly satisfied customers. Oh, ah! Oh, I think the bear just ripped the tendons out from the back of my knee. Meow, I know this was you. When I find you, I'm gonna take the e-string off your face, beat it all the way through you, and string you up like a butchered hog. Uh-oh, I hope I don't have to try and find a new band now. Sir, I still can't get past my front friggin' door. Sliding Jeans Limited, change the bees you want to see in the world. Oh, now he's going in for the rest of the lake. Oh. <laughs>